What's up, Broncos country? What's up, Broncos country? This is Phil Lindsay. Justin Simmons here. This is Alexander Johnson. Hey, I'm Vaughn Miller, and you're listening to the Nutra Zone. Hello, and thank you for joining us here on the Neutral Zone. I am Phil Milani, joined as always by my trusty sidekick, my partner in crime. Really, the best way to describe this person is my everything. It's at Eric Dalala. Phil, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. That's good. How's uh, how's my hair? Hair's looking good. Your hair's looking nice, too. Uh, Lauren Landau did not cut our hair, right? Uh, No. Yeah. No. Definitely not. Broncos strength coach, Lauren Landau. Of course, we are talking about Justin Herbert's haircut that is taking over the internet. Yeah. He says uh, the Chargers strength coach gave him that haircut. I believe it based on seeing the haircut. And we'll uh, dive into that. We'll give you the analysis you need, Phil, about haircuts. Well, you know, with the state of things that is happening around uh, uh, the Broncos here, we thought maybe we should have a lighthearted, a fun podcast. So we're going to... fun. Yeah, fun. Well, this one's particularly goofy, I think. Mm, good. We'll, uh, we'll dive in and rank some of the quarterbacks, the recent Broncos quarterbacks, how their haircut was. Ooh. I yeah. Like yeah. Um, then uh, not sure if... Uh, Everybody saw this, but uh, there were reports out of New York, out of uh, uh, the Giants facility, that uh, their head coach and their offensive line coach got into a little bit of a rumble. A tumble, a tussle. It was later uh, uh, disputed whether or not that actually happened, but it also got us thinking, Eric. Yeah, debunked. It was a little debunked, but we were wondering if there was a battle royale, uh, you know, Maybe all the coaches around the NFL, how would Vic fare and something like that? But also maybe among the all the Broncos coaches, who would we want to submit? Who mm-hmm. would we enter into a battle royale? Yeah. There's some good, good good options there, I think. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, also, I guess if we have to, we'll talk Drew Locke, Brett Rippon, and uh, preview this Dolphins game a little bit. Had the chance to uh, catch up with uh, Armando Salguero, of the Miami Herald. He's covered the Dolphins for a very long time since I think 1982, Eric, is when he started covering uh, sports down there in South Florida. He's a Hall of Fame voter. He's an AP All-Pro voter. And uh, who better to talk to about the Dolphins than Armando? Had a really good conversation about how things are changing in Miami. You know, that's a football town. Had a, a, It's a historic franchise with a lot of great success. Things are starting to change a little bit. So had a chance to uh, catch up with uh, Armando. So that'll be our football portion of the podcast. We got some uh, emails, Bill, too, I think yes. we could maybe uh, reflect upon. Yes. Our, our podcast supervisor, I will say, didn't do a great job of getting all the emails from between the game and our taping on Monday to us in time to include them. Uh, he's yeah. being punished. Yes. Really. He's facing internal discipline. We're not going to reveal that on the podcast. Um, but, you know, there's more than enough emails to, to go over a little bit more. Yeah, we got some emails. Also got uh, some voicemails. If you want to be a part of the neutral zone, there's many ways you can do that. Uh, the best way, I think, is to leave a voicemail. 707-NEUTRAL. Uh, Eric, you mentioned the, the emails, too. 
Yeah, neutralzoneshow at gmail.com. You got uh, quite a few. It seems to be maybe the more popular approach, but don't be afraid to lend your voice to this podcast. Exactly. You can also uh, hit us up on Twitter at Eric Dalala with an A, at Phil Milani with a PH. Non-traditional spellings there, kind of strange, but uh, you could do that. Or we're also on YouTube. If you're watching us uh, here on YouTube, hello. Thank you for uh, uh, watching on YouTube. Leave a comment down below because we read them. Even the ones that blast us, we read them. You, you print out the most negative ones and you pin them to your desk so that you can motivate yourself for the rest of the week. Must be better. Must be better. I will say, Eric, it seems like our introduction is catching on when I call you my everything. People seem to like that. They do like that. We uh, One of our voicemails, maybe we'll get to this one. They don't like the outro as much. but Yes. Uh, we will get to that voicemail. That's a really good one. Eric, why don't we start out? Uh, this is a non-traditional way, but let's just get to one voicemail right off the bat here. Wow, okay. This is Bronco Batman. I believe we can win out. Is it going to happen? Probably not. But there's always hope. Go Broncos. Broncos, Batman, thank you for leaving that uh, voicemail. Appreciate that. Um, Broncos can win out. He thinks not likely, but he brought it up. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Broncos, Batman is uh, maybe not the fan we deserve, but he's the fan we need. Exactly. Exactly. He, you know, in the middle of the night, you know, the the night is darkest before the dawn. I believe that's, uh, that's from the dark night. Uh, yeah, he, uh, Broncos Batman, he's either going to die a hero or live long enough to see himself become a villain. I don't quite know what that means in this context. Maybe like you become a Chiefs fan or something. Did, did Broncos Batman just merely adopt the dark? Yes, he was not born in it. He was not born in it. Okay, I didn't think he was. Yeah. But that's probably, that's a top five voicemail for sure. Oh, were you doing a Bane impression? Take control of your city. (laughs) That was terrible. That's going to do well in the comments. I can do better than that. I can do better than that. Erica, let's start out with a little bit of football here. Uh, On Wednesday, as we're recording this, Drew Locke officially listed as a DNP, did not practice, although he had a helmet on. So he was clearly doing some stuff, but officially did not practice. So uh, what do you think? Uh, I mean, he definitely took a beating against the Raiders, uh, took a lot of shots. There's one particular that sticks out to me where he just got blasted from the blind side, did not see it coming at all. Um, Contrary to popular belief, I believe your ribs go all the way around, you know, so if he took a shot in the back, you could still injure your ribs that way. Is that a belief that your ribs don't go all the way around? Some people just think your ribs are right here. Got it. That's a popular belief. Contrary to that, he got hit in the back. Yeah. Maybe that's when it happened. It's possible. Do you want me to uh, just give you all my Drew Lock thoughts now, or what? What yeah. specifically about? That's what Drew? I was. Well, I'm just saying. One, do you think that he's going to get to game day? And two, should the Broncos even try to play him on game day? Maybe uh, don't try to push it. And hey the way things have been going, uh, taking a, taking a week to just sort of uh, recharge the batteries, maybe not the worst idea. Yeah. Here's what I'll say. Um, 
if I were to guess, I would think he will not play this weekend. Really? Uh, yeah. That's the uh, opposite of what I think. Really? I do um, think he's going to play, considering after the game he said, you've got to drag my dead body off the field to, to get me out of the game. Not yeah. quoting word for word there, but that was the vibe. I think everything we've heard from Vic Fangio is that there's several factors that are going to go into this decision. It's not just, is he healthy enough to play? It's, is he healthy enough to get these reps before the game so that he has a realistic chance to succeed in the game? Because if he doesn't practice all week and he's feeling fine Saturday and he goes out there and you put him up against a Miami defense that, Phil, I don't know if you saw the video on Twitter, but they're like coming up to the line. They're doing little swarming, swarming. And then they're like, some of them are blitzing, some of them are not. And it's like a choreographed dance. Um, You don't want to expose him to that if he isn't ready uh, with your game plan mentally. And obviously I trust Drew to take the mental reps and, and to get prepared, but some of that you do need, I think it's clear that on field timing with guys like Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler and Tim Patrick. Um, so I think the fact that we heard Vic Fangio mentioned several times that that had to do with the, the equation, you know, he is not a quarterback like when, when Peyton was here or um, I know you like me to choose guys that are more, that are like Drew, but just around the league, veteran guys that could not could miss a couple of days of practice and still be good to go. I think it's, you know, if he doesn't practice Thursday in at least a limited basis, I would be even more surprised, of course, to, to see him go Sunday. All that said, Phil, I think Drew is going to push extremely hard to play um, because I think there's somewhat of a narrative that he is injury prone. And with all the heat he has taken for not playing well, I don't think adding another game missed to injury probably helps his cause. Um, Eric, it's not a narrative. It is fact that he tends to get injured a lot. That is, that's not just, I didn't just, nobody just made that up. It's actually happening. Well, I think a lot is an objective uh, term. And, you know, he was ready to come back. The reason he missed so much time his first year was that the IR rules, he had to be out for eight weeks. So we don't know if yes. you know, he could have been ready a little bit earlier. We don't really know that for a fact. Um, but here's also what I'll say is that I think in his development, you need to be able to play through these sorts of, um, I don't know what you want to call Struggles. it, speed bumps, uh, potholes, you know, like just bad stretches of play. You have to be able to play through that without – taking a week off you know we, we talked about it on monday i think mm-hmm. it's not the mlb or nba where you can just you sit out a game and it's okay and you get your head straight in the nfl you have to play to get through these things and so mm-hmm. drew cannot become the type of guy where if he has two or three bad games in a row it's like well drew's got to just sit out a week or two to, to reset and then he'll come back better that's not an option long term um and you know i, I do still think that he can get there and, and he does have the faith still of we saw Noah Fant stick up for him on Twitter yesterday. Uh Vic Fangio has continued to stand up for him. I've mentioned on this podcast I think the right thing to do is let him play the rest of the year to see what you have and see if he can get through this and show at least signs that he's improving. I know there there are people that don't like the Josh Allen comparison, but certainly at this point in Josh Allen's career, people were, you know, you would have had the same reaction of we got to find somebody else to be here because he was playing just as poorly, if not worse, on a consistent basis. Um, so, you know, I, I think that 
from from Drew's perspective and from the team's perspective, you want him to play this weekend. It's not like a you can't view this as a throwaway game or like, oh, whatever, one week doesn't matter. Let's just get him healthy. I think it's the right thing to do for him to try to play. I just am not sure if he's going to get there from maybe the the preparation standpoint. Hmm. I think that I sort of have a feeling that he is. I think that uh, he's really tough, first of all. I mean, the the hits that he took in the last game, the fact that he stayed out there, I think that he's tough. I think he's got that fiery personality. And I think that when you're struggling and you're a competitor, the last thing you want to do is miss time. I think that, you know, he's got that competitive spirit where he's like, I got to get back out there and prove these people wrong. And, you know, for whatever reason, the narrative around him really affects him. I think that he doesn't like it when people boo. He doesn't like it when people say these bad things about him. I think other quarterbacks maybe block that stuff out. They don't pay attention to that. But Drew feeds off of that. He, it provides motivation for him. It's kind of like Michael Jordan in that sense. You know, he took that personally. Eric, I would say that. Uh, that's a reference that you like. You like, to, oh, hey, Michael Jordan, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady. Um, but I'll say, I, I think that he will get there. And, you know, I've been thinking about this, obviously, the last couple of days. It's been, it's been percolating inside here. I do think that Drew needs to play the rest of this year out. And, uh, you know, I, I did think maybe initially, hey, we're not seeing the growth that we wanted. Maybe he's making a lot of similar mistakes. But I do feel like you can't rush to judgment, like, about a career right off the bat here. I, I do think that we need to be a little bit more patient with him. I think that based off some of the YouTube comments that we got on our last show, a lot of people are ready to write him off, ready to just uh, say, nope, uh, we're done with this guy. I think it's important to note that, and I mentioned this la last show too, is that guys like Herbert, Tua, which we'll, fight, we'll face uh, this week, these guys, the book is not out on them. Defenses have not had a chance to say, this is how you attack this guy. And even Herbert did not have the greatest game last week. Um, and we'll see what Vic Fangio is able to dial up this week for Tua. Uh, I got a nice little stat coming up here for two truths, one lie, uh, Eric, that I think you might enjoy. But uh, um, I, think that, I think that there's more tape on Drew now. Defenses know how to attack him. And he's just got to figure out a way to work through this. And he's got the talent. We all know that. He's made the throws. Um, he just has to get more comfortable and get back into it mentally. Um, <clears throat> because right now he, does, he doesn't seem comfortable at times. Uh, and, you know, I go back to what I said last week. What are the alternatives? It's acquiring a, a veteran guy who's, you know, probably not going to be an elite player that's going to compete with Drew at best. Or it's drafting somebody in either the mid-first round or second round again, where you're not going to get that top, top tier player. So to me, you've already invested in Drew. Let him play out this year, see what happens. If it's if we get eight more, or excuse me, seven more Raiders performances, and then I think, you know, you know, maybe it's time to seriously evaluate other options. And I think you should probably improve your depth anyway at that position. But uh, certainly the book shouldn't be out on him. And so one other reason for him to play this weekend is that Brett Rippon played – pretty well against the Jets. You know, he had those two fourth quarter interceptions, but he made some plays. I thought his understanding of where to go with the ball. I mean, certainly I think he had that big play to 
Tim Patrick that was, you know, they showed the same coverage that they did earlier in the game when they fooled him and he figured it out and went back to that. If Drew doesn't play and Brett comes out and beats the Dolphins, uh, that would be interesting because then I don't know what you, you know, it would be hard to then sit Brett back down again, especially if he plays well in that win against a really good Dolphins defense. I think it would be hard as a coaching staff to not say, we're going to give Brett another start this week. And so if you're Drew, I know they're really close friends. Uh, Brett has said that he understands his role in this team is to be Drew's backup and to support him in that way. So I don't think there's any kind of like jockeying to take Drew's job. But I do think, again, just the same way as you don't want the injury prone narrative to continue. You don't if you're Drew, you want to keep your hold on this job. And part of the way you do that is is to play. And look, Brett Rippin, the Broncos had lost three consecutive games and then he came in and won albeit it was against the Jets, but he did come in and do, he did a nice job. He gave his playmakers a chance to make a play with the ball. And that would be disastrous for Drew personally, you know, to have something like that happen, because then I'm, if Brett Rappin came in and started and won, there's no way you could go back to Drew. I mean, and that would be no way, but it it would certainly be controversial and it'd be something you would you would get on the next podcast and say, I'm not saying that Drew Locke should stay on the bench. I'm just saying that there are people out there. there. People, yeah. Yeah. I just, actually have no thought of my own. I just I just regurgitate what I hear. That's, that's clear. And yeah. you, well, actually, it seems like your thoughts are basically, you have them and then the YouTube commenters yell at you and then you I kind of a, adapt based on those, you know? Yeah. Well, I speak for the city, you know? That's what I like to think, Eric. You yeah. Know? So you kind of set the bar. I, you know? I'm a man of the people, and so when I like to listen, feel how the fans are feeling, and then you know I can I can go with the flow a little bit. Yeah. Eric, uh, how do you feel about vowels? Vowels? Yeah. You like them or no? Yeah. Do I not use some, them? Some people don't. No, you do, but some people not as big of a fan of vowels. Oh, got it. Yeah. Got it. That kind of went over my head, but I feel like you were making a joke. That's okay. Um, it's with it's between me and the listeners. Got it. Got it. Sorry, uh, Eric. Uh, you mentioned a, a voicemail that we heard earlier, or that we've uh, listened to. You mentioned it earlier. Uh, brought up a good point about Drew. Uh, should we play it? Sure. I'm wondering what your thought is. You guys are you guys are the uh, the R's, and so maybe you've done and more work on this, but really what the relationship is uh, between a veteran wide receiver and a rookie quarterback and how that might benefit them. Because I'm looking at, you guys mentioned comparisons between like a Justin Herbert who's having a lot of success, but Justin Herbert has Keenan Allen. That was a good point, Eric. I I had never really thought about that, but uh, you know, Corlin Sutton is certainly, you know, a young player in this league, but when he got hurt, like he could help uh, Drew Locke a little bit. And we even heard KJ Hamler this week say that he likes to talk to Locke and pick his brain about what each of them are seeing. And KJ is just a rookie, but, you know, maybe if he had a veteran guy on that offensive side of the ball, that could help him just uh, approach things maybe a little bit differently. Yeah. Um, Cortland to me, is a big loss just because we know Drew targeted him again and again and again last year. And it was clear whenever you needed a, a big play, Drew could throw it to Cortland and Cortland would make that play. And, you know, I think about 
maybe that deep end zone shot against the Falcons to Tim Patrick, Corlin Sutton probably catches that for a touchdown. I feel pretty comfortable in saying that. Um, so from a playmaking standpoint, that that's one thing. I'm not sure if it, you know, it matters that it's a receiver necessarily, but I, I do think it's tough that a lot of these offensive pieces are young. You don't really have a veteran guy at all. I mean, DeMar Dotson, we talked about him and how he came in at the last second kind of, uh, and everybody is learning a new scheme together this year. And so it's not like you're at a place where just Justin Herbert is learning a new scheme or only Tua Tagovailoa is learning a new scheme. Everybody is learning it. And so you don't have some guy that can say, you know, Hey, here's, here's what I would do in this situation or this play works really well, or, um, you know, this is what you should do when we face this blitz that maybe that bank of experience isn't there. And then same from a leadership perspective, you don't have that, that older guy that can be like, Hey, everybody calm down. We're going to be okay. We went three and out, but we're going to put a drive together here. You don't have that at any level of the offense really. And so I think that has had an impact and, and our, our caller is right. With the Chargers, you do have that. I think with the Dolphins, to some extent, you do have that. Certainly in Buffalo, you have some older players. Um, and so I do think that could be hurting Drew and another reason why you have to have some patience here. I agree. I mean, it was a good point. That was our caller, I should mention. That's Harry from San Diego calling there. Um, so thank you for uh, the voicemail, Harry. Called us a couple of R's, Eric. means that he listens to the show. I like that. I like when uh, guys get our inside jokes, yeah. but yes, I, I agree. You know, sometimes when in the course of a game, when uh, uh, things aren't going well, it's nice when you have a veteran who's just sort of a stud, like a guy who's like been there, done that the, at the top of his game where he can just say, everybody calm down. Like it's okay. We're, we'll, we'll be able to weather this storm here. I do think it's nice to have that leadership and they just don't have that on that side of the ball. And even the defense, like Kareem Jackson maybe is that guy, but even missing Von Miller on the defensive side of the ball, a guy like Jarrell Casey, they're missing that too on that side of the ball. Yeah, I think I think Justin Simmons has become that. He is much more outgoing and talkative than he was as a rookie, certainly. Um, I, I think of a guy, Phil, on the offensive side of the ball. Remember in 2016 when everyone was so concerned about would Trevor Simeon be able to handle the responsibilities of being the quarterback? Having C.J. Anderson back there, there was storyline after storyline about C.J. was helping Trevor kind of check to the right plays or like this blitz is coming. You got to know that's your your hot route. And C.J. for the most part, you know, kind of did that for Trevor to some extent when Trevor wasn't able to, to do that himself. And it was incredibly valuable. And with C.J., they went five and two. And then C.J. got hurt. I think it was against the Texans maybe that he suffered that injury. Um he missed the end of the season. He only played in seven games that year. And the Broncos, of course, go from, I believe they started six and two. So they won one more game without him. And then they ended up nine and seven, obviously really struggling down the stretch. And I don't think looking back at it, it's any stretch to say that CJ was a huge loss because the offense all of a sudden went from putting up, you know, 34, 29, 27 points to being in the teens and so, you know, you could see how valuable that was to Trevor Simeon. I think having a guy like that would have been equally as valuable to Drew. And the reason that maybe Melvin or Phillip don't, uh, don't count in that situation is that they haven't played in this offense. So they're learning it too. 
that's a good comparison because CJ Anderson, one of the smartest running backs you'll ever be around. Obviously now part of the coaching staff there at Cal, um, his alma mater. So yeah, I mean, that's a good point. Or you even think about like uh, what Kyler Murray has in Arizona there. I mean, Larry Fitzgerald is probably as knowledgeable as it gets. And even though that's a new offense down there for them, just having a veteran presence like Larry Fitzgerald, a huge impact there. And then on the other side, he's got DeAndre Hopkins. You know, you're talking about two of the, you know, all-time greats at that position. So, you know, I do feel bad at times where you just think about how young this offense is, how much pressure is on Drew Locke's shoulder to make these things happen. Sometimes, you know, you need a veteran to help yeah. out. And I think a running back or a center, you know, are particularly helpful. You know, Lloyd Cushenberry is a rookie and he's going to get through some of these struggles, but he, you know, he's a young player. And I think just have, especially with what Drew has struggled with, Phil, it's identifying pressure, it's pre-snap, it's finding where to go quickly, those sorts of things. You know, if you had a veteran wide receiver, maybe that helps some, but having a veteran center or a veteran running back that knew the system, you know, inside and out or had a couple of years experience running it, that to me uh, would be more valuable. And, you know, when you diagnose some of that pressure coming, you got to know where your hot route is. You got to know yep. where you can, where your safety, your outlet is, get the ball over there and, and then uh, you can uh, be safer. You don't have to take some of these shots. Maybe even having a wide receiver who can help with that too uh, would be good. So uh, Harry wasn't done. I didn't mean to cut him off there. Uh, he did have some more to say here, Eric. Love what you did with the intro for the for the neutral zone this this year. I thought that's great. And so I'm I'm trying to get what's the vision going forward for the outro uh, because it's it's uh it's fun. <laughs> it's it's an interesting outro. It's like you're trying to time the uh the neutral you know the the you've been listening to the neutral zone and the deep voice trying to time it and say it together and it's uh it's got the quirky vibes so uh you guys are nailing quirky vibes and i love that and i support that and i just want to know is that is that where we're going you know i want to know what the vision is yes harry that is the vision we're quirky that is, you know, the intro is fun. We got the players introducing the show. We got some fun music there. I start out by calling Eric my everything. You know, that's fun. And then at the end, for years now, we've been timing up the neutral zone. Kind of wish that he would have said it, but I'll take what I can get. I think that was a very nice way that for him to say he hates it and that he really doesn't think very much of it. No, he said he liked it. Yeah, but the way he said it, he was like, I see what you're doing. Like, it's kind of quirky. You try to time it up. Like, what's oh the God. vision? To me, that suggests he wants something else. I will say, I don't feel we're doing this over Zoom because we cannot be in the same room as each other uh, currently due to COVID restrictions. We're doing the best we can to time it up. So, you know, maybe maybe oh. there's a little bit of slack that could be cut there you think he doesn't like the harmonizing like he's critical not of the idea but more of the actual execution maybe the idea too i think he thinks a lot of you know all these players saying you've been listening to the or you're listening to the neutral zone it sounds like maybe he doesn't think we put as much time and effort into the ending which which hurts me a little bit um but he must be a fan of the show because he's getting to the end that's that's true yeah thank you for that harry yeah um But yeah, I guess if people have better ideas, let's hear them. 
Yeah. If you want us to change it, one, one, it better be really good because I do like how we end it. But uh, yeah, if you got an idea for how we should end the neutral zone, I'm all for it. Let's hear it. I mean, it. Phil, this is like episode 114 or 115. We've been doing this for a while now. So to yeah. change it, it's going to have to be pretty uh, significant. Exactly. Exactly. Let's get to uh, something else that we've been doing for a while here, Eric, and that is two truths, one lie. Well, I thought we were now calling it fact, fact, and fiction. Fact, fact, and fiction. And yeah. one of the facts is with pH, right? Yeah, because when you do two truths and a lie, it's often difficult to tell if two of them are actually true or if only one of them is true. That's true. Well, I don't think I don't think we've yet to have all three be false, but I think we're probably heading there at some at some point. Pretty cool. The idea is that I read three statements: two are true, one is false. But perfect. I do the research personally, and sometimes it's not, it's not sound always, Eric. Okay, here's number one. Vic Fangio, as a head coach or defensive coordinator, is 17 and eight all time when facing rookie quarterbacks. As a defensive coordinator or just all time? Head coach and, and defensive coordinator. He's calling the place, but... As a yep. head coach or a defensive coordinator, he is 17 and eight all time going up against rookie quarterbacks. Okay. Speaking of uh, rookie quarterbacks, Tua Tagovailoa, uh, three and O. He is the first Dolphins quarterback to start his career three and O. That's amazing. But that's not the stat. That's okay, I was about stat. to say that. Yeah, that's not the stat. Uh, he's thrown five touchdowns, zero interceptions. Uh, Eric, in college, he's five touchdowns, no interceptions. That's a fact. In college, oh, okay. he threw 87 touchdowns. 18 of them were to Jerry Judy. Okay. Obviously at Alabama. Yes. To uh, 87 touchdown passes, three years there at Tuscaloosa. 18 of those touchdown passes were to Jerry Judy. Okay. Okay. And then, of course, Eric. We're talking about Qs. We're talking Broncos. We're talking Dolphins. That means that we're talking John Elway and Dan Marino. Love it. They only played each other twice in the regular season, one time in the playoffs. That's it, okay. which is crazy. You know, you think about all the times that Peyton Manning and Tom Brady faced each other. You know, every year they were playing each other. Dolphins, Broncos, both AFC teams. They only played each other twice in the regular season, which is crazy. Luckily for John Elway and the Broncos, John is 3-0 and against Dan Marino. Mm. I'm going to say, Phil, that the uh, second one is false. The second one? Yeah. No, that's true. Are you sure? I am true. I'm sure. Jerry Judy caught a lot of touchdown passes from a lot of different quarterbacks, including okay. Jalen Hurts there. Only 18 of them came from Tua, though. Okay. You would have thought that was higher, though. I um, just kind of assumed that all 26 of Jerry Judy's collegiate touchdowns were from Tua. No, that's incorrect. Let's go back. Let's rewind here. The first one, Vic Fangio, uh, as a head coach or defensive coordinator, he is 17-8. and eight all-time versus rookie quarterbacks. As the head coach of the Broncos, earlier this year, he beat Justin Herbert. And then last season, he beat Lions quarterback David Blah, Blah, 
but he did lose to uh, Gardner Minshew earlier in the mm. year. So 17 and eight is pretty good though. That means he's dialing up some stuff here for these rookie quarterbacks. Uh, the lie was number three, Eric. John Elway actually lost both regular season games against Dan Marino, one of the baddest dudes That's ever true. to play in this Really league. a bad dude. He's a bad dude. Uh, 1985 was their first meeting. That's when Dan, he was rocking and rolling then. Obviously, <laughs> when he entered the league, he was rocking and rolling. Uh, the other time they played was in 1998, Eric. That's the season where the Broncos ripped off all those wins in a row. Uh, they lost to the Giants, though. That was their first loss in 98. The next week they played the Dolphins. There was a big sense that they would see the Dolphins again in the playoffs. So Mike Shanahan wisely was like, let's not show them what we got here. Let's not game plan. Let's not scheme much. The Broncos ended up losing the game in the regular season, but then a few weeks later in the playoffs, they beat. Toasted them. They toasted the, they toasted the, the Dolphins. So that was fact, fact, and fiction. I like that, Eric. I like officially it. changed it. I like it too. I'm still researching just to see if your Judy uh, thing is I, correct. I looked that one up personally it's it is 18 Doesn't as a freshman he caught one touchdown from uh from Tua as a sophomore he caught 11 from Tua and then uh, as a junior he caught six so of okay. course Tua uh almost a year ago I think last week is when he had that terrible hip injury oh I forgot about that yeah that, uh, missed mm, a lot of time there right. to wrap up his career at Alabama so glad to see Tua doing well now so and with that, Eric, why don't we get to my interview with Armando Salguero from the Miami Herald, spend some time. I think you're going to enjoy this conversation and talk a lot about, uh, you know, what's going on with the Dolphins, how things are changing with Brian Flores there. And then uh, we ended it with a little bit of uh, history, talked a little bit about Elway and Marino. Armando, thanks for taking some time uh, to chat with us here today. Got to start by talking about Tua Tagovailoa. He seems like he's taken the league by storm. 3-0 and as a starter, five touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, has he looked as advertised to you? Well, he definitely has done what the Dolphins have asked him, Phil. He's definitely avoided, you know, the big turnovers, the big mistakes. Uh, that's half the battle right there. If you are playing quarterback in the NFL and you're not hurting your team, that's helping your team. On top of that, you know, knowing that he is a rookie and five touchdowns without an interception, his first three games, he's got a, you know, a quarterback rating over a hundred. I think it's 104. Um, actually it's 104.8 to be exact. Um, that is definitely a great start for any quarterback and definitely the Dolphins think for their quarterback. Uh, these are two teams heading in opposite directions here. The Dolphins have won five consecutive games. The Broncos have lost three out of four. Uh, were you surprised that during this stretch, though, for the Dolphins, they made the quarterback change? Well, the, you know, it's interesting because you mentioned the five games in a row they've won. They had won two games in a row with Ryan Fitzpatrick as their quarterback, and then they announced the change to Tua Tagovailoa. And the timing of it was curious because previous to that, Fitzpatrick had struggled and the Dolphins had stuck with him. 
So amid, uh, it was almost like it was upside down. You're sticking with him when he's struggling, but you're, you know, benching him when he's going good. I think ultimately the Dolphins recognize, look, uh, it's time to start the, t- the, the, the clock on the future. And whichever way that goes, we're going to be fine with it. Fortunately for them, it's gone this direction. <laughs> it certainly has. Uh, what's the feeling around Miami right now? Because sitting at six and three, right in the thick of things there in the AFC East. Right. So if you ask me the feeling around the Dolphins, you're going to get the it's a day to day thing. And we're not thinking about the future past the next minute. And there's nothing to see here. In the real world, uh, with their fans in the community, suddenly, you know, there's a little bit of football fever again. Uh, South Florida is a football area, Um, you know, for years and years and years, it's been that way. And now that the Dolphins are suggesting that they're going to be a playoff contender, certainly even a division contender, you know, they're starting to catch fire. They're starting to get attention nationally. It, it's it's good times for Dolphins fans. Uh, how has Brian Flores been able to change everything so quickly down there? Yeah, it's, uh, it, it's happened quickly, and yet it was painful because last year they did uh, an almost complete teardown, and they were 0-7 mm-hmm. at one point. The first game that that Brian Flores coached, um, if I'm not mistaken, he lost 56 to 10. So, and then the next week it was 49 to nothing. So, uh, improvement. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So it was painful last year. They got rid of all of their veterans or a, a large majority of them. They cleared out their salary cap. Uh, they won five of their final nine games, and it suggested that they were headed in the right direction. But this offseason, they were very aggressive. You know, they spent over $250 million uh, on new free agents, $150 million of that guaranteed money. They had 11 draft picks, including three in the first round. And so when you have that much resources and that much in the draft and that much money to spend in free agency, you almost have to work at it to, to blow it. They didn't, apparently. They fixed the offensive line a little bit. You know, they've addressed the quarterback situation. They, they got arguably the best cornerback duo in the NFL, certainly the most expensive cornerback duo in the NFL with Xavier Howard and Byron Jones. So they've done a lot of things, and it helps that Brian Flores came from the New England Patriots. You know, they signed uh, a handful of New England Patriots. So those guys know how to win. We haven't seen a lot of success from uh, Bill Belichick disciples, but it seems like things are going well there for Flores. You mentioned that defense. They're taking the ball away a lot. I mean, they're swarming around. What have you seen on the defensive side of the ball? It's interesting because they, as you know, they like, to, they like to do the New England thing. They're going to do something different every week. Last week, it was to throw amoeba looks at uh, rookie quarterback Justin Herbert. A couple of weeks before that, they, they zone, they zero coverage blitzed um, 
Jared. Uh, Jared Goff. Jared Goff. Excuse me. I'm sorry. Uh, Jared Goff, and he was a little bit perplexed as to what to do. It was they. They work a lot at mixing coverages, mixing looks, making quarterbacks think pre-snap and then pressuring them during the, the play. And it's worked. Look, they give up a lot of yardage. They've given up a lot of yardage. Uh, they certainly did against the Rams. They did some against uh, the Chargers this week. But then they certainly did against Arizona. But they're scoring. They've scored defensive touchdowns in two of those games. Mm-hmm. They scored uh, they, a special teams touchdown in one of those games and set up another score in another one of those games. So bend, but don't break and always confuse. That's what the Dolphins defense is about. You mentioned uh, how football crazy Miami is, South Florida there. You've covered the team for so long now. Uh, Whenever I think Dolphins, Broncos, I think Dan Marino, John Elway, but those two only played each other three times, once in the playoffs. Uh, It's crazy to think that, huh? It's crazy. You know, the... The only memory I have of Marino and Elway is a game that they played in Mexico City. It was a preseason game. And the night before the game, they were at the Hard Rock. Everybody was at the Hard Rock. And uh, everybody's drinking tequila. And I look over and there's Elway and there's Marino and they're drinking tequila. <laughs> hard Rock in Mexico City. And the next day they're, they're playing in front of 106 million uh, people in Mexico City at uh, Estadio Azteca. So, yeah, it's it's been a while. By the way, as you know, John Elway, I do believe he had some success in Miami, and it ushered him, uh, you know, out of his career. Yeah, his final game down there, uh, Super Bowl thirty three. Uh, Armando, I had one last thing I wanted to ask you about the book that you just wrote: a uh, hundred things Dolphin fans should know or do and do before they die. What a cool idea for a book! Uh, was that fun to write? Yes, thanks for <laughs> it, Phil. Yeah. Uh, no, it was, cool idea. it was it was fun to to do. It was a year long, basically assignment. It covers you know the fifty plus years of the Miami Dolphins uh, franchise that that was a fledgling franchise in nineteen sixty six, before you were born, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> and so. Uh, it, it, it was, a, it was a, a work of passion for me, and it covers what you might guess. You know, the perfect season, Don Shula, Dan Marino, Larry Zonka, all the way through to now Tua Tagovailoa. Cool idea. I'm sure that uh, Dolphins fans are really enjoying that. Uh, just uh, I, lo- I love that idea. So, uh, Armando, thank you so much for taking some time to chat to me. My pleasure, Phil. My thanks to uh, Armando Salguero of the Miami Herald, Hall of Fame voter, AP All-Pro voter. Uh, he's the guy to talk to down there. There's a lot of great reporters uh, down in South Florida, but Armando, he is the guy. Great story he shared there about uh, a preseason game with John Elway and Dan Marino hanging out in Mexico City, drinking tequila the night before a game. Love it. It's a preseason. It's yeah, a pre-season. You do whatever you want. Exactly. Exactly. Eric, uh, with that, let's get to our quarterback haircuts, our ranking here. Yeah. Um, 
how should we do this? You want to do like top three? Is that probably the best way? This is Broncos best hair for quarterbacks. Yeah. How far back are we going? I think uh, let's cut it off uh, post Peyton Manning, like Peyton Manning, not eligible for this. Oh, all the quarterbacks since then. Okay. Wow. Jake Plummer just getting really uh, screwed over here. Well, huh? Jake Plummer had some tremendous hair. Yeah. And so did uh, John Elway back in the day. Well, that's where he I had... thought we were going, but th- no, okay. That's fine. Well, well, let's say, well, how are we going to judge this quarterback here? Because I have a couple of criteria here. I know you do. Yeah. Uh, I Go take ahead and... this very seriously. Eric, yeah. yeah. Uh, priority number one is back of helmet flow. Okay. okay. When you're actually playing in the game and you're running around, what's going on at the back of the helmet? Is it, ni- is it nice and neat? Are we talking about a square rounded, you know, in the back? Or are we talking about full on flow? Which is what mm-hmm. LA had there when, you know, in the in the late '80s, early '90s, had some quality flow back there. So did Jake Plummer. Then the other the other topic to me that is pretty crucial is when you get to the sideline and you take your helmet off, and you're sitting there on the sideline and you're talking with the offensive coordinator. You're going over things on the uh, Microsoft Surface. What does that hair look like post helmet? Very important. That's you that's know? it right there. That's important to me. And then third, and maybe it's a distant third, what are you looking like in interviews when maybe you've just come off the field and you're doing that sideline interview? You know, maybe Tracy Wolfson is there. She's asking you some questions. Michelle Tafoya, you know, asking you some questions. How does the hair look in that situation? Because a lot of people are watching. So That's important too. Yeah. So that's my criteria. What are you, what are you going with? I think, yeah, I think most importantly is you take the helmet off on a bench. What does it look like then? That's most important. Yeah. To me. Okay. Okay. Anybody can have their hair look pretty decent when you get up on the podium on a Wednesday. Yeah. Although Justin Herbert struggled a little today. Oh man. Yeah. Tough. So bad for him. Okay. You want, I'll let you start as the king of hair. Okay. Number one, I would have to say is Joe Flacco. Okay. I mean, that thing was elite. Yeah. I mean, it still is elite. You really know, good. New York, but that is like, uh, that to me is peak. You know, uh, that's what everybody's striving toward the Joe Flacco. Yeah. Number two, um, I think I might have to go with Drew Locke. Okay. The Q, the Q, very, he cares about his hair a lot. He and, does. You know, I remember at the beginning of this year when, you know, all the players go through the green screen, they do their, you know, uh, the thing where they like look up like this, you know, uh, for the intros for like, you know, Sunday night football for, you know, C- CBS, they do these graphics. They're, they're patting the ball a little bit. And I'll just say he was very concerned about how the, the how the hair looked how that thing was flowing. Right. And he was maybe even suggesting that he should get a deal from his pomade company. Mm. Anybody who's talking in pomade. I like that. I like that kind of conversation. So, right. You know, what's going on there. Number three, Eric, this is interesting. Uh, number three, I might have to go with Trevor Simeon. Wow. Yeah. Big for Trevor. Yeah. I might Big have to go Trev. to Trevor Simeon. Well, I, the, I, I was hesitating because I would say Brock Osweiler had some nice hair too. Mm. 
Trevor, I think, struggled in that when he took his helmet off, wasn't great. That is that is true. <laughs> well, he had grown it out at one point, and it was yeah. looking pretty good. It looked nice at one point. Yeah. Back of the helmet. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, he really let it. Yeah. The lettuce, as they say. Yes. Yeah. But I will say, Brock, that was my toss-up. Brock has, has to be in consideration. Non-starters to me are, were Pax and Lynch. Mm. Um, Mark Sanchez had – it was okay. It was okay. It was okay. You Mark Sanchez like having a lot of uh, success now in uh, the media world, so obviously he's doing something right. Right. You know. Uh, who else? Who am I forgetting here? Um, uh, yeah, I'll throw some other ones because I, gener- uh, I generally agree with your uh, your takes. Um, I actually think Mark Sanchez has a has an argument for the number three position there. Yeah. Um, uh, Kyle Sloter, I don't think. Yeah. Um, I don't think that's a non-starter to me. No. Rippin, uh, Brett Rippin, not really doing anything. No, sorry, Brett. Uh, uh, Jeff Brandon Driscoll, Allen. Brandon Allen. Tough. Yeah. Um, I do feel like we're forgetting Case who was Keenum. the back- Case who was the who was the backup last year. I should know this. That was Kyle Allen. Brandon, uh, Brandon, Brandon Allen. Allen. Sorry, not Kyle. Allen. Who who is the who is the backup before before that? Drew. Brandon Allen was Joe Flacco's backup. Yeah, but there was like a there's a a backup quarterback. Oh, Kevin Hogan. That was yeah. I feel like yeah. Kevin Hogan had some decent hair. Am yeah. I wrong? Yep. Kevin Hogan, uh, really a nice guy. Yeah, I, think I enjoyed. Kevin, I, I enjoyed my conversations with Kevin. Hogan. It was a little shorter, but uh, I think it worked. It, yeah, it worked generally. Yeah. Now um, you can about, go short. What about Garrett Grayson? You probably don't. You don't even know who that is. He did not start a game for the Denver Broncos. No, but neither did Mark Sanchez or Kevin Hogan. That's true. Did, yeah, Kevin Hogan did not. I don't think. I don't think so. No. Yeah. So yeah, I, I do agree with you, Flacco. Far and away, uh, the, yeah. on the field didn't work out so great, but the hair just so tremendous. Yeah, um, Drew's hair, I would say, really good, maybe even better than Flacco when you're on the podium. You know, when he has some time to prepare it. Oh, yes. But in game, I mean, Flacco would just rip that helmet off. It's just it's perfect. Let me. Ask, that's right. It was perfect. I don't know yeah. how he did that. No. Before he left, I should have really asked him. Just been like, I'm just curious how you how, you know. Be a ment. He could be my hair mentor. You know, yeah. we talked about maybe wide receivers mentoring Drew, helping him out. Joe really could have been my hair mentor. Yeah, I mean, Joe arguably has some of the best hair in the league. Yes, of course yeah. he did. I mean, I think you got to go with probably Tom, right? Well, long hair Tom or current? Tom? No, not long hair Tom. I don't yeah. like. I'm not current Tom that. is right up there. Yeah, he's right up there. Yeah, Jimmy G. Jimmy G's got good hair, but he could have he could have any you know he could have those no eyes. Hair. Those yeah, eyes. exactly, no hair, but that, the hair. that chin, yeah. those cheekbones. Now, Eric, people might say that we're being ridiculous here, talking, spending so much time talking about this, but I would, there be, is, I would agree. How would you? What would you buy into this? That um, as a quarterback, you're sort of like the face of the franchise, and you spend a lot of time on camera. You got to have, you got to be presentable. You know, this is a thing. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you want to look ridiculous, but I don't think um, if you are an uh, you know an unattractive person that you can't be that a really true. good cue. That's um, true. You could still be a good cue. I mean, but no offense to him because it's not his fault. But uh, Justin Herbert looks like he's my age, which is twelve. Twelve. And um, he's you still both out have there. done. 
You both are uh, really exceeding your Hey, age. thank you. Yeah. He's out there dealing. So I think yeah. it's, uh, it's okay. Sure. Uh, yeah. We're not bashing on him. You know, during this time of COVID, I mean, look, we're all struggling. Yeah. Your hair has been, yeah. maybe I'll post, maybe I'll post it. I mean, it's just been, it's been yes. tough at times. Uh, that, and all you see is up front. If you just were, if somehow you were to find out what was going on back here, that's true. Opinion, like a little John Clayton situation. Your opinion of me would completely change. Yeah. I'll say that. I'll say that. Um, now, yeah. I'm trying to think you know, like best. Uh, John has some good hair. John had great hair. Yeah. Oh but, my God. Yeah. And then uh, he had some nice think, bangs when he first came out of Stanford. He had some really good bangs, swooped them across. Coach wise, probably since I've been here, I mean, I think probably Gary Kubiak has had the best hair. BJ didn't uh, really have hair. BJ didn't really have much. Uh, I, don't, I would I don't, say uh, all time, I would say Dan Reeves is definitely up for consideration. That thing was, uh, that was rock solid. And also Mike Shanahan. Mike Shanahan, you know, took his appearance uh -huh. very seriously. I think that, uh, I think uh, you would have to go there too. Um, the last thing I was actually hoping to ask you about here, Eric. We don't really see Vic without a hat on ever. That's true. He always has a hat on. Yeah. I don't really. There's a couple of times where he's uh, his headshot. He's got he's got hair. Yeah, not a full. Not it's not like it's a, not not Phil Milani, but exactly that's what I was gonna say. Yeah, yeah. There's <laughs> no Eric Delala product going on. Um, the last thing I was gonna ask you about this, and then we can move on. Um, post game after a game. Uh huh. Okay, they do an the interview at the podium after the game. Do you prefer it when your quarterback has? Um, uh, taking some time, showered, dressed into a suit, and then meets the media, or do you, or do you care where they walk in and they're wearing still their uniform and their hair is still there's still a little bit of sweat going on, you know? Yeah, that's interesting. Drew's kind of the uh, straight to the podium in the uniform type of guy. He is. He is. Um, correct Peyton. me if I'm wrong, but that was not Peyton. No, Peyton took some time, showered, and always suited. Yeah. I feel like uh, Trevor Simeon did the same thing. I think he would normally appear in a suit. I believe he did. I think Joe Flacco would do the same thing, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, I think Joe might have mixed it up once in a while. Um, I don't I, I don't have a, a strong preference there. Maybe you mm -hmm. defer to the Peyton Manning style. I don't know. Uh, I do tend to uh, favor the Manning style. I think uh, – uh, the the only other thing I would say is like maybe I prefer it if you're gonna get interviewed at your locker maybe you mm. still have your Stay in it. yeah still have it. But, I mean, you and I we like to just get our content up as soon as possible for the fans. So sure. the sooner is always better for us. I remember I remember one game, the Broncos played on a Sunday and then they were gonna play on Thursday night football that week, and we were waiting in the press conference room. We're like, where's Peyton? What's he doing? What's going on? Where is he? Where is he? We're waiting. We're waiting. And this is like, now we're talking about like maybe 90 minutes post game. Where is he? He had gone into the cold tub, already begun his recovery to get ready for Thursday night. Love but it. this was in 2013. It was very serious. That I was like, hey, we need our content. We need to give the people what we want. Yeah. What they want. What so, we want them to want. Okay. Let's continue with some more silly talk here and we'll talk about quarterback. Oh, I'm sorry. Head coach 
coaching staff battle royale because, uh, you know, there were some reports on Wednesday that Joe Judge, the Giants uh, head coach, got into a fight with their offensive line coach. And but when I say fight, I mean actual fight. That was later disputed, maybe uh, debunked, not, sh- not exactly sure. Regardless, that doesn't matter what happened there. What, what matters is that we were inspired. And we yes. started thinking about the Broncos coaching staff and who the Broncos would submit in a battle royale. Yeah, that's it's inspiration nation, I think, is Correct. more than anything. Um, Correct. So I think you have to discount the strength staff right away just because yeah, I don't think that's fair. Yeah. Um, Cedric is, Smith, for example. Yes. Um, he could pick up my body with one hand and just crush my head. Yes. They have to uh, very very nice guy. He would never do that. But, he would never do that. No, um, uh, I've seen him in the weight room. They often have to replace the bars after he's done uh, squatting because they just bend in half. Exactly. You know <laughs> exactly. He's a strong uh, guy. It's a problem, actually. I mean, know, that's what like, you want in a strength coach, though. You want somebody that looks like that. The budget, you know, for those bars. If your strength, control. if your strength coach looks like Ben Swanson, you got a problem. Uh, the artist, Ben Swanson. Exactly. Yeah. The yeah. A. Yeah. Ben Swanson takes one of his really long paintbrushes and uses it as a squat bar, and that's about all he can handle. Maybe he'll exactly. put like he'll put an extra little dab of acrylic paint on each end. Yeah, but, I mean, any more than that, and he's he frequently uh, goes for long walks. Uh, yes, and as he does that, he does like the whole paintbrushes, so he strength, you know, kind of like an elderly lady holds like a two pound weight. Elderly person, I think. I think we again say that person. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, Man, an elderly gentleman, elderly yeah, someone lady. your age. Yeah, exactly. He likes to do that. Not the strength staff. Yeah. Okay. So back back to the topic at hand. I think it depends, Phil. Are we talking currently or at in their prime? Because, um, I think currently, currently. currently. Okay. Because to me, that that maybe uh, disqualifies somebody like Bill Kolar, who we know has wrestled a bear. Uh, yes. very impressive. I think that, that would that automatically, is a fact. that is yeah. a fact. Exactly. Uh, he's in the senior bowl hall of fame in mobile, Alabama. I mean, you that's an get, accomplishment. Yeah. You think that they just give those out? No, <laughs> they don't. No. no, no, it's not. It's yeah. Yeah. You're you, fighting people for that. You don't just get into Veets and you just don't get into the hall of fame no. to do very prestigious honors. Um, I do think, you know, Kolar's had some surgeries here. Uh, His back is not great. Yeah, I think that would be tough. But, but the mind, the oh, mind the is mind. sharp. Yeah, that's true. Um, to me, maybe like a guy like Mike Munchak stands out. He's a Munch walks very slowly, though. <laughs> that's true. He's, oh, he's so, had some surgeries. So you think like maybe a Chris Cooper, who's young, just got out of the game. That's true. Played offensive line. Um, he's still built. I, very I think because you got to consider who are other teams sending out here, Phil. And you know, like the Titans, Mike Vrabel is, yeah, is exactly. As you would say, the Titans uh, are sending out I Mike did. Vrabel. Yeah, you know, that's going to be tough. So you got to somebody who can stand up to him. Maybe, maybe, maybe a Chris Cooper kind of uh, stands yeah. out to me. I think you immediately go to the Lions, you know, because these are some mm. big guys. They played these positions often, so. Yeah, I'd say yeah, Chris like, Cooper is definitely like Ronaldo Hill is not that far removed from playing DB. He uh, could be a nice choice too. Yes, 
he could be in ice trays. A lot of times I would say these minds are very like, they're not going to give up ever. You know what I mean? Mm, like they true. can take some shots and they're, but they're mentally tough enough to be like, I'm still in this thing. So, yeah. but I would say Chris Cooper. Now, if it was just head coaches, how do you think Vic would fare amongst all the other head coaches? Because the reason I say that is uh, uh, the trend around the league the last couple of years has been young head coaches. Um, Vic, though, has a benefit of coming from the defensive side, which I think makes you a little bit tougher naturally. So, and yeah. considering where Vic grew up and it's sort of a, you know, blue collar, you know, uh, Pennsylvania, small town there, I think Vic could probably hold his own for a little while. Yeah. He's got some Italian blood in him. Uh, yeah. That's always important. You know, I think he told us that, I believe it was his introductory press conference. He said his 93 year old mother, who I guess exactly. would be you know, older now, obviously was still out there shoveling her own sidewalk. You know what? She's um, probably uh, ninety-five, two years older now. Yeah. I'd well, I was, um, I was kind of hedging in case um, something bad had happened. Well, I haven't heard Should anything, we, so I haven't either. But I was, yeah. I was just, I was hedging a little bit. Yeah. Um, but that no, kind I think prove your point. That would not be good for your boy. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. No, I think he's got the toughness kind of ingrained in him. Yeah. Um, do I think he would win? Like, I think Vic versus uh, Mike Vrabel probably wouldn't go super well. But, um, I I mean, certainly in the uh, – there are coaches he could hold his own against. I'm taking Vic over Andy Reid. For sure. Yeah. Andy Reid would not mind losing early. And then, as we know, he enjoys a cheeseburger. <laughs> you know. True. He'd probably, yeah. he'd probably be like, let's get over with this. I'm going to design some kind of crazy play. You know where the quarterback. Yeah, it's uh, like I got to get back to work. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, other coaches he could beat. What about like a Pete Carroll? He's like yeah, a senior th- older guy. I'm I not think sure. I think Vic would have a nice chance in that. Um, we I did see Pete ha- Carroll. He took off his shirt at the combine when DK Metcalf came in. You That's know, true. You got to think about that. It looked like he's in pretty good shape. Yeah, I you know I think they probably lose that weight like, though. Age age classes here. You yeah, know, just to keep things competitive and fair. Yeah, because Vic he got in shape this off season. He did. Yeah. So, you know, these are all factors. You know, would love for somebody to leave a voicemail and, uh, and let, let us, us know, know what they think. Seven oh seven neutral, Eric. Um, Eric, do you have uh, a fill in the blank available? Or mm, I we, think those were that was more than enough silliness. We we've ran out of time. Yeah think so i got it oh should we read some uh emails yeah that could be nice though okay let's read some emails maybe next week um (laughs) let's get to one that we just got today right before we were recording uh this is from our friend uh, honko uh from cape town he says uh hey eric and phil it looks like drew lock is carrying the world on his shoulders right now it's taking its toll i think uh, he should stop overthinking things just have fun get back to basics last year but he he does admit it's easier said than done he says please give our cue a sanitized fist bump the next time you see him well, i've i've done that post game i've given him a sanitized fist bump so that's nice he says we can only go up from here hashtag beat the dolphins and he goes ps Time to get your razor ready, Eric. The W is coming. I love it. Yeah, Phil, I mean, I agree with uh, Honko here. We appreciate the note. I do think Drew, 
you know, is feeling some of that pressure. And I don't know that there's an easy way to get over that, but you have to, you know, that's just part of playing this position. And uh, hopefully if he's healthy enough to play this weekend, we kind of see him at least take a step toward that. Yes. It's more, it's more fun when you're dancing and, you know, you know, it's just exciting. And you, when you're rapping on the sideline, that means you're winning, you're playing well, you're loose. And uh, I, I love it. So I, I'll also say one, one thing with Drew, I think some of this would be easier for him to handle if last year didn't go as well. Mm. You know, if he, if, he kinda, if maybe he had played exactly the same way, but maybe you go, maybe uh, the Raiders complete that two point conversion or um, you don't get that call against the Chargers and you go two and three, the expectations maybe aren't as high and you can just develop. Whereas because they went four and one, everybody was kind of like Drew Locke is going to be the MVP. I mean, that Colin Cowherd said those words. It was not, and a lot of people were talking about the Broncos as a surprise playoff team. I wonder if they got, if Drew got caught up in that a little bit or felt like he had to match that. And if that's been part of the, because even if he, now he, he comes back and he throws like two touchdowns, one interception and a loss. Well, yeah, but I, you know, I think, there would still be a segment that's like, well, that's not what we expected. We expect Drew to throw three touchdowns. So I I, I wonder if some of, some of his struggles and the pressure that he feels are kind of a, uh, a product of last year. Yeah. Possible. Uh, Let's get to another email here. This one's from David Gonzalez. He's uh, he's writing in from Monterey, Mexico. So uh, thank you for the email here, David. He says, I've been a diehard Bronco fan since I can remember over 40 years. He mentions that he's 44 here. Uh, I think the media is being quite unfair with Drew Locke. He's a young QB surrounded by a very, talent, uh, very talented, but also very young team. Says this team has the potential to be great, but there's uh, no other way to go around it. They require a lot of playing time, good coaching, and most of all, patience. He says Drew has uh, shown more than once that he can make amazing throws. Unfortunately, bad decisions are gaining more attention. No other young QB is in the same situation, not even close. He mentions uh, Herbert, Tua, Murray, even Burrow, he brings up. So uh, he thinks that it's a lot about the the young offense. He says, this is an odd year, uh, you know, with the pandemic, tons of injuries, et cetera. Um, Whether you like it or not, it's taking a heavy toll on this young team. He thinks that Drew is uh, great. He hopes that uh, John Elway keeps building a stronger team around him. And uh, he says that he enjoys the show. So go Broncos for life. David, thank you very much for that email. Yeah, thanks, David. I, I agree mainly, Phil, that, you know, there's a pandemic. There's tons of injuries. Um, you didn't get the offseason. I think all that's fair and maybe um, impacts the team to some degree, maybe even a large degree. But I do think, you know, even if they get a whole off season, even if there's no pandemic, even if everybody's healthy, Drew still has to play better. I mean, I, that's just the fact. And I think he would acknowledge that, that even if you take out every single other variable, he hasn't played well enough. And uh, listen, he doesn't need to play at an all pro level if everything is clicking, but he does need to play at a uh, average level. And I think he would say that he's not doing that right now. I agree. I agree. He, he knows. He said, hey, I know that it's not good enough out there right now. Got to work to get better. So uh, our last email here, Eric, is from Adam from Hungary. 
a huge Broncos fan and a fan of the NZ as well. Uh, Adam, thank you very much for the email here. He says, I was so excited about uh, the arrival of Pat Shermer, but I'm disappointed now. In my opinion, his blocking scheme, his power blocking scheme doesn't really fit the offensive line, doesn't fit Noah Fan. He says he thinks that uh, they did better under a zone blocking scheme and had a more effective run game last year. So he's talking about different schemes here from uh, Rich Scangarello last year to what Shermer does right now. Uh, he says, uh, everybody keeps talking about patience, Eric, but he says the Broncos did not give patience to Scangarello. Uh, he says, keep doing a good job, guys. Go Broncos and be safe. Adam, thank you very much. Uh, hopefully you're staying safe and hungry. Uh, what do you think about that, Eric? Uh, you know, it seems like the Broncos wanted a more aggressive play caller, a more veteran play caller, brought in a guy like Pat Shermer. And, um, you know, Pat has had a lot of success in this league. He knows how to develop young quarterbacks. I think that's one of the reasons why they brought him in. But like the previous, uh, you know, uh, I think it was uh, 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 David from uh, David, yeah, Monterey. David from uh, Monterey, Mexico. Like he said, you need to have patience. I think the same is true for the play caller too. Yeah, and um, I don't think you ever. Well, obviously you didn't. You didn't anticipate there being a pandemic, um, which obviously impacts your ability to install plays and get the reps you need. Have that time to to try all that stuff out. We heard Pat Shermer at one point say, "We don't have the the luxury of." like just using plays to see if we're good at certain things. We don't have that time in training camp. We've got to rep stuff that we know will work. Um, so, you know, I wonder if like short-term, if Rich Gangrella's offense would have been more successful in year two, given that maybe Drew would have been more comfortable. Um, you would have obviously kept a lot of the same players in that scheme. Um, you know, I do think that Pat Shermer's system has led to more shots down the field at times, more big plays. The scoring average is up. Uh, somewhat, but it's also up across the league. So it's hard to say how much of that is a result of the system versus uh, just kind of the natural progression of the game. I do agree with Adam that I, I thought Noah Fant would be more involved. Um, he has been at times and other times he's, he just hasn't been a factor. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think it's an interesting point. I don't think it does any favors to Drew or the offense. If you say we're one and done with Shermer either, um, and obviously Vic has backed Pat Shermer every chance he had has had so far. So no indication that will happen, but you're right. I, I do think just patience in general needs to be exercised. Um, and we've heard John Elway talk about that before, Phil. It's hard when you change head coaches a lot to draft players because everybody fits a different scheme a little bit differently. And when you don't have that continuity, you're kind of just, it's like you're shopping for a recipe, but you don't know, um, are the ingredients going to be used for like a Thai style meal? Are they going to be used for a uh, Mexican dish? Are they going to be used for Italian? Is it going to be uh, Greek food? So you're, you're like buying these tomatoes, but you don't know how is, how's a tomato going to be used? Interesting. That's a, so a tomato is not just a tomato, right? Exactly. You know, there's you like wanna... a Roma tomato, there's a vine tomato, cherry tomato, Exactly. You know, what kind of tomato do we need here? Exactly. Exactly. I, yeah. Now I understand what's going on here. Uh, I'll say two things about this. I really enjoyed getting to know Rich Scangarello. You know, I got to talk with him a, a lot, uh, especially when we'd go out on the road, 
you know, uh, they, these guys do production meetings on the road, had a chance to get to talk to him, you know, every road game. I do think that he is a young, bright mind on the offensive side of the ball and eventually will get another chance in this league. But I'll say this, I do think that when you're an offensive coordinator, you need to see things very similar way to your head coach. You know, there's an enormous amount of pressure on Vic Fangio to win. And, you know, we know how things are around the league where you, if you're not getting it done, boom, they pull the ripcord uh, so fast nowadays. So you need to be on the same page. I don't know if he was always on the same page philosophy-wise with Vic Fangio. I think Pat Shermer is a little bit more on the same page. And I think that when things are working with this offense right now, things happen easily. You know, sometimes we see at the beginning of these games, some scripted plays, guys are wide open often. And um, I, I do think that he's doing a good job with Drew. It's just that they didn't have the off season. It's a weird year. And um, I do think consistency now is going to be more crucial you know, especially with a young guy, you just need to have him be comfortable and get to know his staff a little bit. The one thing I will say, Eric, is that I agree with you with no offense. It seems like to me, sometimes when you face other teams around the league, uh, they know how to use their weapons a little bit better than the Broncos are right now, where a guy like, say, like Julio Jones, the Falcons are able to develop an entire game plan just based on the fact that you got a guy like Julio Jones and what that means for an opposing defense. The Broncos haven't quite gotten to that point with their weapons just yet. And maybe that just takes time. Yeah. So uh, anyway, thanks to uh, all of our emailers, all of the voicemails that we got, uh, the YouTube commenters, we read all those. So really appreciate that. That's uh, neutralzoneshow at gmail.com. Or if you want to leave a voicemail, 707 neutral. Erica, let's uh, quickly do some shout outs here before we say goodbye. Yeah, Phil, also a shout out Bill Jacob, who I guess goes by Vito. And of course, our friend John Jornod. Oh, I'm um, sorry, I forgot a couple of emails. That's okay. That's okay. I th you know, we I think we addressed many of those uh, questions that they asked, but just wanted to give them some recognition for sending in an email as well. John um, Jornod, that is your best friend. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's a big fan, favorite newscaster. Yeah. Um, so I uh, just appreciate those people. And then of course, Liz Manis uh, doing some great yeah. work in the community. Yes. What kind of things have she, has she been doing in the community? I think a lot of Zooms really has been kind of part of it. Um, but I'm sure some, some other stuff as well, maybe. Uh -huh. Uh, we uh, hosted a uh, nice Zoom chat with uh, the Wounded Warrior Project earlier this week, uh, honoring uh, veterans, uh, part of the NFL's uh, Salute to Service campaign. You know, this year, uh, the Broncos can't really get out and interact with people directly. So one way they're trying to do that is through Zooms. So uh, Liz spends a lot of time on Zoom, but it does seem like the feedback that the organization is getting is that people really enjoy these uh, connections that they're able to spend. Yeah. And uh, some other current initiatives going on the Broncos, uh, if you want to on November 21st, which is a Saturday, you can drop off frozen turkeys and it's other this things. Saturday. Yeah. Thanksgiving food items uh, for Denver rescue mission. We've in the past, we've been somewhat confused, but very clear you can drop them off at UC health training center, frozen turkeys for Denver rescue mission. 
What time should people come to do that? I'm from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. 10 a.m. this Saturday. Yeah. I mean, then you can still get to your dentist appointment at 2.30, which is important. Thank you. Um, And then I believe uh, Vitalant also needs blood currently. Um, Somebody say talent because that's what I'm, that's what we are. Exactly. Yeah. They need talented blood. Um, So yeah, if you're, if you're healthy and you're able to donate, that's another great uh, way to help the community. So, you know, Phil, I think uh, right now, if people are struggling financially or with the economy, the way it is, maybe you're not able to donate the same way you would in previous years. So um, definitely some other ways to do that the Vitalin is doing their drive for life. It's a 23rd year and October 23rd through January 3rd, you can uh, make an appointment to donate. Yeah. You know, and uh, you bring up a good point, you know, donating turkeys. I think there's going to be a lot of people in need this year. So, yeah. uh, you know, uh, if you can spare a turkey, swing by the Broncos facility and uh, drop it off. It'll go to the Denver Rescue Mission. And You're signing headshots, right? That you're passing out on Saturday? Yeah, I'm not sure if I'll be there. Uh, I'm not sure if uh, the Broncos could afford the security that would be necessary. <laughs> right. You know, so, you know, the fans, they get aggressive sometimes. <laughs> right. So many of them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Kind of like K-pop star, very similar type of scene, exactly. you know, so uh, shout out to those guys. I did learn in my uh, Wounded Warrior Zoom that Tim Patrick really likes bunt cakes. Mm. He called them bundle cakes. But, and then I was like, what is that? And then he showed me and it was a bundt cake. So. Maybe just like, likes bundles of bundt cakes or something like that. That's true. Maybe that's, that is possible. He did show that he had a huge box full of nothing bundt cakes. Nothing bundt cakes. Nice that's stuff. a company that makes bundt cakes. Oh, I didn't even that's know. That's the actual that's name. Yeah. That's good to know. Name. Yeah. Nothing bundt cakes. So not a sponsor, but if they wanted to be, could be. Tim yeah. Patrick could come on and read it too. Let us know. Yeah, exactly. We're we're waiting. We really are. we're we're really waiting. Please, please, please. <laughs> All right, uh, let's wrap up this show. My thanks to Armando Salguero for uh, taking some time to uh, chat about all things Dolphins. Uh, we went over uh, what's happening with the Broncos' quarterback situation right now as we record on a Wednesday. A Drew Locke status for the game up in the air. We talked about that a little bit. Then things got a little weird, Eric. A little bit strange. We talked about quarterback haircuts. We talked about coaches fighting and, uh, you know, pretty much a standard show for us. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So um, uh, I think it's time to sign off, which is uh, our friend from San Harry from San Diego. This is, this this is for Harry. Yeah, this, this is, is for you, Harry. Uh, we'll be back on Monday, post-game, wrapping up whatever happens in this Dolphins game. But until then, for Eric Dalala, I'm Phil Milani. You've been listening to The, the Neutral, Neutral Zone. Zone.